We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which would be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. And to set the stage a little bit, I got to spend Thanksgiving. A lot of you guys know this if you listen to the pod, uh, the last episode. I got to spend Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend um, at a beach house with the significant other side of the family. It was awesome. Loved it. Unfortunately, driving home on the Sunday after Thanksgiving was not enjoyable. Um, I have three hours through the grapevine to prove it, um, which unfortunately ran right through the 49ers game. So I was relegated to listening to... The game on KMBR, which was actually a pretty enjoyable experience. Turns out Papa is really good at his job. and But, I mean, that really doesn't paint the picture completely of what I was seeing in the game. So I have enlisted a little bit of help by the name of KP slash Kyle Posey of NinersNation.com to come on here and help me paint the picture. So... Picture, I mean, we'll say it like this. Like, I have the paintbrush in my hand, but KP is grabbing my wrist and, and telling <laughs> me where to ter- where to paint. So, anyways, KP's here. What's up, dude? Man, I'm good. How you doing? It's uh, You sounded like you had a great holiday weekend, so props to you. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a little break, you know? Um, getting no, away from the game. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a great... I mean, dude, we, I was playing football on the beach with a bunch of like 12 and under kids. Like it was so fun. Yes. Man. It, it was just a good time. Um, you remember this is that, bes- completely beside the point. Do you remember the Cardell Jones when he was at the hospital and just beat the hell out of that kid in Madden? 
Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> like that when you said you're going in kids at the beach, in my mind, you're just stiff arming these dudes. <laughs> I also picture that skit with Peyton Manning where he's playing yeah. football with the kids in the park. And he's like, get open. And he just hits the kid in the back of the head with the ball. Oh, so good. Uh, and then the last thing I think of is Dave Chappelle playing, uh, playing. I, I can't remember what it was, Madden with the kid the cancer patient oh yeah that's right he's like no and the kid's like i'm tired i want to go to sleep he's like no man grab the sticks <laughs> so oh. it was a fun weekend the drive home was brutal um a normally what should have been a three and a half hour drive took about six ish um and on most of that was spent at least half of that was spent in the grapevine there were three different accidents and uh, so, yeah, it was it was. But anyway, the weekend, it, it didn't it wasn't enough to dampen the weekend. The weekend was hella fun. It was one of those weekends like every meal was was home cooked, oh, so uh, you know, and obviously including Thanksgiving. And it was it was legit. But you know what else is legit? Or I guess what else is fun is watching the Seattle Seahawks implode, which they did. They did. What did you think of uh, what do you think of old Russell Wilson out there slinging it? He, for people who tell you quarterback height does not matter, I give you Russell Wilson. You just can't <laughs> see, man. He can't see things that you're supposed to be able to see from the quarterback position. There were like three throws where I'm like, dude, just throw the ball, man. <laughs> He's there. Throw it. And he doesn't. <laughs> but also, a lot of the topic, I mean, in like the football sphere among nerds, people make it sound like running the football doesn't matter. You cannot watch the Seahawks and think running the football doesn't matter. They get into like these obvious passing situations and they can't do anything. But before that, they can't do anything because they can't get any sort of push up front. They're just not a good football team, man. Um, I yeah, it's the end of an era for sure. Yeah. That, so if if you didn't watch the game, uh, the Seahawks on Monday Night Football lost on prime time for all the world to see to the Washington football team. 17 to 15 and even that I guess I mean technically Seattle was in it they 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 drove they're the ones that drove down that field and scored that last minute touchdown but it was on you know it was made possible by kind of what I felt was a questionable yeah. like I felt like they took that touchdown away from Washington when it kind of should have stayed that way and that was that game was a lot of fluke it was there was yeah that's a good way of describing it, it was a lot of fluke and um it just it legitimately for the first time Really, to me, this season, you know, obviously some of Seattle's losses came with Geno Smith, who actually didn't look bad for for being put into the position he was. But this is the first time to me the Seahawks looked like a legit three and eight team. Like they just did not look like a good football team at all. Um, for from so many different points of view, like the fact that they just like weren't throwing the ball to uh, to DK Metcalf. Or, I mean, or at least not completing passes to DK Metcalf. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett gets like ignored the entire second half after like making multiple big plays in the first half. They, so weird. They couldn't run the ball. They averaged less than three yards a carry. Russell Wilson was missing receivers that were just standing there. Like it was, it was just a weird, weird game, and they legitimately looked bad. So, and they face the 49ers next week. Right, their defense is terrible too. Like that's another thing. They were, they, they, I think they got three stops in a row at the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth, whatever, to keep the game close. But outside of that, they played like a bad football team. It seemed like 
Washington was able to extend a few drives just because the Seahawks goofed. They made penalties to extend the drive. It looked like a three and eight team for sure, as you say. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Heineke completed. Is it Taylor or Tyler? Uh, Taylor. I don't, I don't want to disrespect him, but uh, fun quarterback. He completed, <laughs> he completed 77% of his passes for 223 yards, and they still ran the ball. All over them. The, the Washington's running game looked a lot like the 49ers. They didn't have necessarily a huge like yards per carry average. It was only 3.5, but they ran the ball 43 times for 152 yards. Right, right. And that's they they did it. They were a nearly a carbon copy of what the 49ers have been doing lately, which worked really well. And you know, that bodes well for the 49ers because they're going to want to do something very similar, except they have better players than Washington does. So if my football math is correct, the 49ers should do better, but we all know that's not how it works, especially <laughs> between especially between the 49ers and the Seahawks. So, um, but anyways, this, uh, this is uh, our, this is, I, obviously I would have wanted this reaction to come last night, but given my crazy drive home, um, I wanted to make sure that KP could get on here because like, he watched the game. I watched part of the game and listened to the rest, so I didn't want to just jump on right after the game and spew a bunch of nonsense that I couldn't really uh, substantiate with my own eyes. Since then, I've watched most of the game and and you know basically watched the game unfold, so I can talk about it a little bit better. But so really, as like I said, I like to get the reaction stuff out the morning after the game, but the only reason I didn't is just to bring you a better presentation so don't hate me um so let's get into it 49ers officially have a winning record after beating the minnesota vikings 34 to 26 in what felt exactly like a playoff game did it not yeah and that was what you wanted to see so you knew that i think we knew the 49ers were for real based on how they handled jacksonville and you knew that this was going to have like a playoff type atmosphere and i thought that they did a good job of handling adversity because that's what happens in the playoffs you are going to make mistakes they overcame those and they really showed a killer type of instinct at multiple times through the game so i thought that was the best part about the game but yeah definitely playoff atmosphere and in multiple good like multiple ways too like the crowd was live too and that was fun yeah it was it was just a crazy game it wasn't that it wasn't very similar to the last time the 49ers played the vikings in the playoffs uh, on that one, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did make some mistakes, and then the 49ers just basically pounded the rock for the entire rest of the game. Um, and the defense pretty much shut down Minnesota. Whereas in this one, it was a little bit more of a shootout where Jimmy Garoppolo still made some, some mistakes, but also had some answers to those mistakes. And the defense was obviously a little bit more vulnerable to Minnesota than they were in 2019 because the defense was a lot better. Uh, in 2019, but it just didn't really feel like the same game, obviously the same amount of energy, but the way the game unfolded was just different. It it was just different. It felt a little more like a shootout than kind of like that defensive driven win they had last time. So I guess the third quarter was wild. There were 32 points in the third quarter. Right. That was the weirdest thing to listen to. It was just like the 49ers just scored and then they scored again. And then they scored again, and then the Vikings <laughs> scored, and they were just like, "What right. is going on?" Right. Um, 
so I guess we'll just start with with the obvious point. What did you think of the old Jimmy G? I mean, I I feel like this game had a very kind of unique blend of of the 49ers still sticking to the run, but a lot of it still being on Jimmy G. What did you think? I don't think he played well. I think that he left a lot of meat on the bone in this one. I thought that they could have been up big early. I don't think he was taking the shots that he needed to. I thought that he was just a little predetermined on some of his reads, and he was too skittish in the pocket. That changed as the game went along. I really think he he realized that he just didn't have a choice. I got to let it loose. But I think the most frustrating part about him is whenever he plays like that, he plays very good. Like he's a he can be a good quarterback. He's capable of playing like a good quarterback, but he's just not consistent, and that's what's maddening because it is who he is. Like he, that's not going to change. And it's it's a roller coaster, pretty much. You don't know what you're gonna get when he drops back. Um, there are like four throws where he's missing the guy by three yards, and then there are four throws where he zips it past the defender. It's in a contested area, which is a good thing in my mind because he's giving a guy a chance, and they're able to stay on the field because they have good players, and those good players make plays. So um, hot and cold. Too much cold, though, so I lean bad is what I would say after watching old Jimmy G. Yeah, I just – I mean, I kind of came away with the same conclusion. I thought some of the stuff he did was great. I thought some of the stuff he did was shitty, and that's kind of been the Jimmy G experience since we've started it. And right. It's just – you. we know he has the potential to be or, – or he shows flashes of being like a top 10 quarterback – more towards 10 than anything else, but, and he shows flashes of being a bottom 10 quarterback. Just, it's really is kind of a, a crazy roller coaster experience. And, uh, you know, and you got that right off the get. He, Jimmy Garoppolo started the game off with this perfect throw to Juwan Jennings for like 20 something yards. And then two plays later, he throws an interception where he just sails it over, I think, Brandon Ayuk's head. And, and it's easily picked by the Vikings. So, and then I think he was getting cussed out by Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I don't oh, know. He was, he was giving it to him. It's hard to tell with – and you'll know this just as much as anybody. It's hard to match sideline mannerisms and body language with what's actually leaving their mouth. I mean, how many Absolutely. times have we seen, like, players getting crucified because it seems like they're yelling at their teammates? And then you finally get the audio. I think there was, there was one with Des, Des Bryant at one point. Um, and then you finally get the audio and you realize he's saying like super encouraging shit just in like a trying to pump him up. An way. aggressive like, meaner, yeah. Yeah, and coaches do the same thing. So I don't I – don't, it definitely looked like <laughs> Kyle Shanahan was giving it to him though, but um, I don't know. I, I just it, – it's hard to say. But yeah, with Jimmy Garoppolo, man, I mean, he made some pretty impressive throws, but then he made some where you're like, dude, like, like one that just sticks in my mind was that out route to George Kittle that he Oof. like floated and underthrow that that could have very easily underthrew that could have very easily been a pick six if the DB was just a little bit more in position or kind of a little had turned around a little bit sooner playing with fire yeah. right there yeah and it's like it's stuff like that man and and then I did and I have seen quite a bit I usually don't give pay too much stock to like all of the clips that come out after a game of a quarterback like missing someone that's open because I'm pretty sure you could do that for every quarterback, every game, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, that's just a consistent thing with, with quarterbacks. You don't see everyone every time, but I did see quite a few, quite a bit more this time of Jimmy Garoppolo missing 
wide open players and, and then trying to force it into some, somebody else. I mean, I haven't like broken down the film, haven't grinded it out, but it sounds (laughs) like that kind of goes with what you're saying. Yeah, it was. He, and he, that's what I say when I mean, or that's what I mean when I say, (laughs) so the George Kittle one, the first drop back. And it's, it's hard to get that out of your mind when that is the very first play that you see. So they run the play. Jimmy rolls out a little bit. He is locked on to, I believe it was Debo. And there are two defenders on Debo. There is nobody on George Kittle. George Kittle is running wide open, like 12 to 15 yards down the field. With room to run, too. With plenty of room to run after the catch. And it's going to be one-on-one, him and the entire field. So that is going to be tough to, you know, just get out of your mind for the rest of the game. So from there, you're probably going to be looking at, okay, what else did he miss? If he missed on the first drop back, it probably happened a lot more. Uh, There was one where I thought, just kind of told you who Jimmy Garoppolo is as a quarterback. So it was man coverage off to the right side. You have a man coverage concept. So the outside receiver runs a five-yard curl route. He's going to run up, go to five yards, turn around. The slot receiver is Brandon Ayuk. He is one-on-one. He has no safety help over the top. He is going to run a fade, which means he's going to run straight. and He's going to run run past his man. That's what happened. Uh, Jimmy took the check down, and so the curl route in that scenario. Even if it's an incomplete pass to Brandon Ayuk, that's going to stretch the defense. But he has a step and a half on the DB, which he tends to do against DBs. And what was even more crazy to me, it just made this more egregious than I feel like the Kittle one, is like the safety Harrison Smith was on the other side of the field. So they get a great concept, have a half a field with Brandon Ayuk to work with, and he checks it down to Elijah Mitchell on, I believe, second and 10 for a gain of three, when it probably could have been a touchdown, would have been an explosive play, a defensive pass interference. Like, after all of that, incomplete pass. So the probability of that happening is is the mindset is, that's why I have a problem with um, just how he plays the position. <laughs> and that's the part that you have to wonder how this relationship is. I mean, I mean between Kyle Shanahan and, and Jimmy Garoppolo, because there has to be, just, I mean, hours of of not the greatest film sessions between the Weekly. two of them. Like, like right, like uh, you missed this guy. This was the read. You threw it here instead. You missed this guy. This and now, like I said, the only the only way that that he's not being you know torn apart by those is maybe it's late in the progression. He doesn't feel like he has the time. He's just kind of firing it in to one of the first two reads. But I, we don't. I don't know that. I just know that. At least this week, more than most, he uh, there were a lot of of clips of of people being open and him just going a different way with it. And in typical Jimmy Garoppolo fashion, you also had some pretty impressive throws. You know, uh, the one on uh, third down, I think it was Trent Sherfield just kind of firing it in there and getting what you needed to get. And maybe they maybe he missed somebody on that play too. You know, that one to Juwan Jennings, the kind of that out route right along the end zone, that was nice. Um, put the ball exactly where it had to be to give him time to just square his shoulder and get in front of the pylon. He had that other good throw to Jawan Jennings that, I mean, it could have been a little bit better, but that one that was that where his knee just was barely out of the end zone. Yeah, I do remember that one. The Sherfield play that you're talking about, so that was in the fourth quarter, backed right. up in your own end zone on third down without Debo Samuel. 
So that's what it's going to look like for a game, maybe two games. And he was under pressure. He had to go from one read to read, came across the field to Sherfield, hit him on time. Like that's what I'm talking about, which is like a big boy throw, a an NFL quarterback type of play that you want to see. Like that, those are the type of plays that we should be applauding. They just don't happen that often. Right. <laughs> right. And that's that's probably why, you know, it, it's so upsetting for a lot of people when they watch him because um third and thirteen, I believe, or third and eleven towards the end of the half, he throws like a laser to Brandon Ayuk over the middle. Yep. Yep. And they extend the drive. Where, why do you? Why can this not happen more often, man? Because it's clear he has it in him. But um, just yeah, too too many inconsistencies. And when we talk about that first Kittle play, that so I can understand why he misses that one because you probably practice that play over and over. And in practice, there's not going to George Kittle's not going to be running wide open like that never happens. So muscle memory tells you, okay, Debo has been open all week in practice. Let me one, two, three, four, five, drop and throw to Debo. I I get that, but when I go to like the man type of stuff where he's he's checking it down or he's not throwing to his best player in man coverage, that's where I, what I don't understand about him. Right. Yeah. It's just a it's a frustrating experience. It's a frustrating experience. So, and that's kind of just what I've relegated it to. Like, you know, at this point that you're going to get both. Uh, maybe sometimes we'll get more of the good. And as we've seen, sometimes we'll get more of the bad. That's just the, uh, the old Jimmy G experience. But, hey, at least the 49ers are going to trade him after this season for <laughs> Ian Rappaport for who knows what. But I don't know. Whatever. Great scoop right there, Rap Sheet. Yeah, man, that was, that was crazy because it was almost like, what they were going to do all along. <laughs> but, hey, good scoop, man. Um, I mean, the rest of the offense, we could talk about that too. I think the next person you immediately have to go to is, I mean, I was I like contradicted myself. Because I was going to say Elijah Mitchell, and I think that that's fair. Elijah Mitchell has proven he's like the new bell cow for the 49ers in the best of ways. But to me, and I said it last week, said it the week before this, Debo Samuel is the engine that makes this thing go. And if you hadn't heard, he did suffer a groin strain against the Vikings. Um, on the positive side of things, it's not supposed to be significant, maybe one to two weeks. But on the not-so-positive side of things, the 49ers have to go one to two weeks without Debo Samuel. And, I mean, normally – and I do think the 49ers can, can win games without him. But, man, like, he has just proven himself to be, like, the 49ers MVP this season. And and there's really no other way for me to put that. Like he is the, I mean, Trent Williams might have something to say about this, but to me, Debo Samuel has, is like, he's at the very core of what makes this team go now, which is wild considering we did not expect that going into the season. Uh, Trent Williams doesn't have any 49 yard runs. Trent no, he does doesn't not. have any 20 yard touchdowns. Um, he's Debo's just a special player, man. He's a special dude. He is like all of these gadget hyped up um, Percy Harvin, Devin Hester. He's like the best version of all of them just because you can give him the ball. They gave him six carries and he had a 49 and a 20 yard touchdown run. That doesn't happen. Like this is not normal. And we're, we've kind of normalized it because we see it every week. But the luxury of having knowing that you have a receiver who, by the way, has a thousand yards on the season um, through 11 games, and he's not this highly volume targeted guy who they're force feeding the ball a la Cooper Cup. 
um, they're able to split them out wide and they're still able to, hey, by the way, we're going to throw you in the backfield because we need a big play. And what does he do? He gives you a big play. That That's not how this game is supposed to work, but he makes it happen, man. Even on his like short carries, he had a run for three yards and there's a linebacker unblocked. This linebacker is Eric Kendricks, very good player. He doesn't get a hand on Debo. And then he runs around to the edge, runs over Patrick Peterson, physical cornerback. He just makes good players look average. And I think that's really a testament to like who this type of guy is. Um, one catch for 12 yards, and he had such an impact on the game. Yeah, it's weird to think of it like that because technically nobody's changed his his label or anything. You know, he's still technically wide receiver Debo Samuel. But you just if you were looking at his wide receiver stat line, you'd be like, well, I mean, he didn't do anything. Right. And then you, you look at the carries and you watch the game and you're like, Jesus, man, this dude's something else. And it's what's funny, too, is anytime Debo's in the backfield or Debo's in motion, the entire defense just assumes or knows that he's the one getting the ball. And it's not necessarily always the case, but there's a very good chance that he's going to be the one that gets the ball and he still makes the play. And obviously, that's a huge shout out to everybody that's blocking their ass off for him. But I mean, the, the it's just special watching him play football that First touchdown he had had around the right side, where you look like he it looks like he might get pushed out of bounds for like four or five yards, and then he turns it upfield and turns it into a twenty yard touchdown. So he's running full speed in one direction. It seems like there, he has no shot, and then he just stops, doesn't lose any speed, cuts upfield, and yeah, he outruns everybody. He's like a he plays football like a Formula One race car. Like he, <laughs> that's great. He just like moves around unnaturally, and it's pretty awesome to watch. But like we said, 49ers are not going to have him for at least the next week or two. Um, so we'll see how they adapt to that because that is that is no small loss. Um, it's good that he's not – it's nothing season-ending. It's good that, you know, that it wasn't serious. But at the same time, they've got – the 49ers are in a position where they can't really afford to lose games. Um, and they're, they've lost, like, one of their most impactful players on offense. But right behind him, you have uh, the man with a pen in his hand still – from finger surgery, Elijah Mitchell just calmly r- rattling off 27 carries for 133 yards, a touchdown, and also had five catches for 35 yards. I mean, that's that's pretty nuts, man. That's that's getting up close to 200 all-purpose yards in from a dude who, who just had surgery on his hand. Now I understand it's a running back and it's your hand, but kind of important for the position. Like, not only does it kind of hold on to the ball that you have to hold on to, but it gets hit almost every single play. Like there's no protecting your hand as a running back. So pretty impressive, man. Like, I don't know what it, what, dude. And I was thinking about this while I was watching him earlier. What do you think? What makes Elijah Mitchell good? That's a really good question because there's a lot of things. There's a lot of answers. He's, he's very fast. He runs very hard. Um, like he's just a, he's a physical player he's got great and vision we've seen that already he he doesn't go down easily i think that's important just having good like contact bounds where so you're gonna just eventually so frank gore pinballed off of people and was like able to make two yard runs into six yard runs because he would bounce off people and fall for it mitchell does a really good job of falling forward you would think with how fast he is that he would have more explosive runs like they would have more 20 yard chunk plays but they really don't happen. Like his longest gain of this this last game was 15, but it seemed like he had a bunch of tens in there. Um, 
27 carries, 133 yards, uh, averaged what? So five yards a carry about. Um, I I don't I really don't know how to answer that question. I think it's just he's he runs really fast, really straight, and it works out well for him. <laughs> Which is what Kyle Shanahan's offense wants, you know, guys that'll kind of follow that movement across the line. And then once the crease opens up, you're gone. Like, and that's it. And the the best way I could put it is is and you kind of just said it is Elijah Mitchell had a lot of 10 yard runs. He had a lot of, a lot of he averaged five yards a carry. But I would say that he himself is responsible for probably on average at least three yards after contact every play, which is it's hard. I mean, maybe it's not hard to explain. I mean, you can't put a value on a running back that can do that because all of a sudden the run that was that wasn't blocked up well was blocked up for maybe two yards becomes five yards. And now, in, you know, then you do that again. Maybe he doesn't get as much, but then you're looking third and short instead of third and long. And him routinely doing that throughout an entire game, which it seems like he does, uh, really adds up. It demoralizes the defense. It keeps drives going. It, it it's just crazy how often he, you know, I, I, I it's kind of a slight, but Elijah Mitchell is playing how I thought Trey Sermon was going to play. Hundred percent. Because yeah. if you watch that guy in college, Trey Sermon never went down at first hit. That dude broke tackles like a madman, and maybe he still will have his day. I'm not. I'm definitely not counting him out already. That'd be silly. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately for him, he's just is a likely candidate for injured reserve after what was described as a pretty significant ankle sprain, low ankle sprain, um, but that can still suck. So, I don't know, man. Elijah Mitchell, just he's exactly what this offense needs right now. And knowing yeah, yeah. that you have a Jeff Wilson Jr. chilling that like doesn't have to do anything right now is pretty nice because Jeff Wilson Jr. is an impressive running back too in my eyes. And him just getting time to, to get healthy while Elijah Mitchell just does his damn thing is pretty good. And those two running backs, to me, can really hammer home a game-winning drive. You know, like just hard-nosed, not going down quickly. I'm going to get at least two or three more yards after you hit me type running backs. And that's really what the 49ers brand of football and offense has turned into, right? Yeah, that last drive that they had to what chew up like seven minutes, I believe. They they end up missing the field goal because of course. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a seven minute seven and eight seven minutes and eight second drive. Yeah, twelve plays. So that is what they they can do. They can run it on you. You can know that they're going to run the ball on you, and you still can't stop it. That's why when we talk about running the ball, it doesn't matter. How can you watch the Seahawks? How can you watch the 49ers offense? playing ball hog, knowing that if this was one of those back-and-forth games where the 49ers scored in like three, four minutes, the Vikings would have had the ball and would have had plenty of chances to do that. So um, their style of offense, their style of play has really benefited them. I think it's it's just who they are. Um, the Vikings, so next-gen stats, tells you how many people are in the box. Elijah Mitchell had 59% of his carries were in an eight or more eight or more men in the box. That is insane. So they know what you're going to do. They're loading up to stop the run because everybody knows Kyle Shannon is going to run the ball and they still are struggling to stop it, man. That That's really impressive. But um, who knew that he was going to be this good this quickly? 
So earlier in the season, people were complaining a little bit about his vision, which there were some fair critiques. But now I feel like we're seeing these type of cutback runs um, on these tosses where he's just finding it, cutting it back. And that's where you get the 10 and the 12s. That's where you're seeing growth in Mitchell. And he is peaking at the right time, man. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to need him more than ever against the Seahawks. One, because the Seahawks kind of seemed uh, susceptible to that style of play against Washington. And with Debo out, a, a lot of those plays that were handoffs or tosses or whatever to Debo Samuel are now going to go to Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson Jr. So, and, and maybe that is where Jeff Wilson Jr. comes in. Some fresh legs, a dude that runs hard, you know, shares some characteristics with Debo Samuel. Not quite as fast, but, you know, the 49ers just want somebody that's going to going to do the damn thing and run hard. So, And then I guess to wrap it up for the offensive side of the ball, you've got um Brandon Ayuk who looks like is Brandon Ayuk like fully back like is he is he him his rookie self now do you think he he has anything left to prove I think he's more physical than he was last year and seen a lot of clips of him in the blocking game yeah so yeah Brandon Thorne does a really good job of highlighting um just blocking in general and offensive line but the play where he highlighted on the touchdown run where he just comes across the formation and cuts off Patrick Peterson and they're like kind of wrestling afterward, uh, that happens quite a bit. And that's been the case over the past month since he's been in the quote-unquote doghouse or since I guess he's left the quote-unquote doghouse. Uh, Ayuk's just been busting his butt, man, from the start of the play through the whistle. And it's kind of rubbing off in his play. He's getting open now. And I thought that there were a few more opportunities – he really should have broken 100 yards in this game, but they didn't really need him to. They will, and I don't think it's going to come against Seattle, but eventually they will. Like a, a team gets the Bengals where the Bengals are going to score on the 49ers. Uh, they're going to need to rely on a player like Brandon Ayuk. But, yeah, he's he's been really good, man. Um, I, th- I think he just realized how good he was, and now that he's bought into what the sh- like what Shanahan and the offense needs him to do as far as blocking, um, his game has just gone to another level. So it's been nice to uh, – just to kind of see him evolve as a player, I guess. Yeah, and it got to that point, too, where enough players and coaches and general managers had mentioned kind of Ayuk's struggles, you know, including guys that are, are 100% locker room guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle. Even they, they had mentioned what Brandon Ayuk was going through and what his, you know, whether it was, you know, his own fault or external factors, whatever. To where it lended, it, it gave it some gravity. Like, okay, it was like, okay, this isn't just Kyle Shanahan being a dick. This is, apparently Brandon Ayuk really was doing something to deserve a little bit of this criticism, a little bit of flack, and maybe the lack of targets. And it's been cool to see him turn it around because I feel like there's probably a moment for a guy like that where you can either rise above it and do the damn thing, kind of what we see him doing now, or kind of like reject it and push everybody away and just kind of turn into his own shell. And, and, you know, and then only bad things can really happen from there. So I I don't even know if it got that far, but you do, we've seen it so many times where a a, a player can just spoil and they either need to go somewhere else to succeed or their entire career kind of just falls apart because coaches talk to one another, you know, stuff like that. And, and maybe that's a little dramatic, but uh, it's been cool to see him respond to whatever criticisms were thrown his way. And it, it may have made him a better player for it. He is just such a talented dude that, 
yeah, I guess you you never know how kids these days will respond. Just because I think a lot of there's just the social media lifestyle when you don't want to be called out in public and um, you don't want to be just humiliated, which what human would. Right. But it seemed like the the style that Shanahan, whether whether he had like Kittle and Jimmy, like make sure that, hey, we got to get on. Him. We got to stay on. Him. We ha- he has to become uh, you know what we want him to become. And for us to do that, we have to go about it by dealing with this way. Whatever they did worked. And I'm glad that it did because of the talent that he has. And I, I really think he can be a special dude. There was even that – I don't even remember what, what type of route he run. I didn't see it in that kind of detail. I think it was in like the first quarter. Maybe that, it was definitely in the first half where it was almost like he was running kind of like a corner route, at least on the left side of the field. He caught the ball where you would kind of be if you were running a corner. I don't know if he came from across the field, but he caught it. And then – there were kind of two defenders that had already started taking an angle towards him. And right after he caught it, he kind of turned his head around and immediately hit like another gear. It was like a 30 yard play, but you could just see the ridiculous amount of twitch and explosiveness in the way he moves. Because had he had those defenders, maybe just been maybe a yard or two back from where they were, just been a little bit slower to react it would have been something where Brandon and you could have turned the corner and turned it into a huge play and possibly a touchdown. It was just a really quick glimpse of like, damn, like that guy's got some serious, serious chops, some serious speed. Yeah. I mean, they gave him the end around and he did the whole hurdle him jump over a human thing. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, Debo's out and they're not the same body, body types. And I'm not saying Ayuk's going to have, you know, 15 carries a game, but I wonder if this turns into more like now screens for IU just to just to get you know your playmakers the ball in he's their hands slippery for, yeah, yeah and he's I, he's I a freaking punt returner right yeah I I wouldn't wouldn't be opposed to that and we've seen Kyle Shanahan do that before where he just moves the running game to the perimeter with these little quick throws out there and and that wouldn't surprise me at all I think that's probably a good call it wouldn't surprise me if we see that a lot um but yeah pretty good game apparently uh I think we should just talk really briefly about. That little, um, I thought I, I thought I retweeted it. Where is it? Hold on, hold on, hold on. There it is. Trent Williams is now, and, and you take pro football focus for what you will. Like obviously, you and I are both smart enough to make our own opinions, and so are fans. But per Sam Monson of PFFs uh, of Pro Football Focus, Trent Williams is now up to a ninety-eight point two overall pre Pro Football Focus grade, which obviously a hundred is flawless. That's absolute freaking madness. He has a 99.1 run blocking grade. The next two highest marks we've ever seen were Jonathan Ogden, a 95 in 2007, and Joe Thomas, a 92.9 in 2009. So per the boys over at Pro Football Focus, Trent Williams is literally having like the best season of any football player of all time, which is kind of just fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you watch him and you're like, yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> he makes it Just, look so easy. He does. He is it's like his athleticism for an offensive lineman is not natural, not normal, I guess I should say. It's not natural that he's able to do the things he's able to do. It seems like he's a boxer, like he's always he's um sparring with the guy the entire time. He has these little um like he'll use his inside hand, he'll 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 almost use like a swim move to get a guy down on the ground. It's really impressive. It's fun to watch just because you don't really see offensive linemen 
use different tricks and like use the variety of things that he does. It's like, where do you come up with this stuff? So no wonder he never loses because he has like a deep bag of tricks. And then in like the passing game, once a game, maybe he's beat and you're like, oh, wow, he like he is human. He's capable of being beaten. But it just it's so few and far between that when you hear like pro football focus talk about his numbers, you don't really flinch at all just because he is that freaking good. Yeah, he just he just is crazy, man. Like it's just wild. Like he is just a freak of nature. Easiest money the 49ers have ever spent, you know, and and even though they've had their fair share of mistakes, shout out to John Lynch for just going and getting a guy like Trent Williams, which is kind of like, you know, like just going out and for like a third and a fifth rounder just picking up the absolute best left tackle in the NFL. It's like, dang, like that's pretty, that's not even like highway robbery. That's like, I don't even know what you'd call that. You're getting a contract out. Like no matter what he does, you're getting a contract out of the best left tackle in the NFL for a third and a fifth rounder. Of course, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. He's the best in the game, but for a third and a fifth rounder, come on. Take it. Here, have all this money. Yes. Like it's the easiest money to spend. Quarterbacks, left tackles, and pass rushers are the absolute easiest money to spend and shout out to nick bosa who's going to get paid a lot oh man um every game now it seems like right right well that and that's a good segue um but i'm going to kind of interrupt the segue we're going to get a quick word in from tick pick and when we come back we are uh we're gonna we'll, we'll talk defense and, and kind of they're uh doing the damn thing against the vikings so you already know it 49ers football is clearly all up in the mix. And now you can be even more excited about it because the 49ers are in a legit position to earn their way into the playoffs. You don't need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL TickPicks. TickPick got rid of all the awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? And if you can find a better price on the same seats, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So get on there, TickPick.com. 49ers only have a couple of home games left. I think they got the Falcons and the Texans. Make sure that you are a part of that because the 49ers are in a position where every win matters from here on out. So get on TickPick.com slash gold today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash gold, as in striking gold, and get yourself a free $10. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So yeah, when I when I was when I recorded the pod from this infamous beach house, um, I'm I said that this game felt more. The past couple of weeks, it, I felt like it's come down to the offense and what they were going to do and how they were going to control the game. But going up against the Vikings, I felt like it was going to come down to the defense. Like the Minnesota's defense had shown that it was. Not great pretty much in all categories. It was just okay. I didn't see the 49ers really having trouble moving the ball against the Vikings. What I did see was the 49ers defense having trouble standing up to a pretty impressive Vikings offense. Like that just whipped the Packers. Uh, not whipped, but, you know, put up put up 30, you know, in the 30s against them to win the game, including a game-winning drive. So, that was where uh, my sticking point was, was can the defense hold up enough to cr- bridge that gap um, for the offense and create that space for them to win the game? And I obviously it's safe to say they did, and I was pretty impressed. It wasn't like they stifled the Vikings, but they held up when they needed to. They made plays when they needed to, um, especially given some of the injuries they sustained. What do you think, man? What was your overall thought just based on the – what you saw from the defense? I don't think the Vikings are a good matchup for them. Um, yeah. I just think that their good players are where the 49ers' good players aren't. <laughs> and that hurts. <laughs> so, I mean, you mean Josh Jefferson. Norman's not good. <laughs> hey, he forces fumbles. Yay. I know, um, man, That's like everybody's. Uh, and shout out to Josh Norman, you know, because that's a pretty impressive ability. And he does it like on a weekly basis. But, anyways, go ahead. What do you think? No, that, that is very important, though. Like, to be clear, defense is about timely stops and turnovers. So, to be able to force a fumble, which he actually did. And they didn't. They weren't able to come up with it. But you can't get beat in the way that he does, man. And it's time. one thing to get. Yeah, it's one thing to get beat, but it's another to just whiff on tackles. They leave him like offenses are targeting him now. And when it's him one on one with a running back, he just doesn't have a shot. And he gave him a touchdown. He missed a tackle after a guy made a catch uh, against Justin freaking Jefferson, who's probably one of the five best receivers in the NFL. I don't know if he thought he was like Josh Norman 2015, but he tried to jam the shit out of him at the line 
whiffed so so badly. Um, ended up getting a DPI on him, but I it's going to be bad if they get like when we talk about we talked about this beforehand. But think of the playoff teams that they are going to go against. He's going to have to go against, and this is way down the line. But Josh Norman against um, Mike Evans, like come on, man. <laughs> Ceedee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Lord. Okay, but yeah, I just don't think the Vikings are a good matchup, and that's why I say timely, timely turnovers, timely stops. So the Bosa sack, like just them getting one pressure every other series, or where they're forcing the quarterback like Kirk Cousins into a bad decisions, a la Aziz Alshire. Hello, uh, how about that guy? By just the way, scooting right, um, basically just running the route. Yeah, yeah, read his eyes. He he ran the route for him. That was great. But to come up with those type of turnovers and those sack stops, um, that's how they're going to have to win just because they're not built to to be this type of team that is just going to whoop you up front and force you into like third and ten. They are fast, which will cause and create mistakes, but they're they're a little reckless. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's just they're, they're going to give up big plays. That's been the case all season. They do have really good players, though, so. I think when it comes down to it, they're able to get stops, just not consistent stops. Right. No, it, it, and that was kind of what what had me, you know, a little nervous going into the game. Is they they have good players on defense. They've shown their their game. They don't necessarily roll over against anybody, but at some point, talent is always going to win out. And the the Minnesota Vikings, they've just got talent all over the place whether it's their running back, their two receivers who could be both be uh, wide receiver ones on different offenses in in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, And and then you've got Kirk Cousins slinging the ball around who I know he's kind of a consistent punching bag, but he's having a really good season and he's done everything he needs to be. You know, he just plays within the, within the bounds of that offense and he does a good job of it. And for the most part, I mean, he didn't do it against the 49ers, but he takes care of the football. And to me, dude, like, there were a lot of great plays. And Al Shire's interception was definitely one of them. That was, you know, a game-defining play. But to me, that ta- that tackle for loss slash force fumble by Kevin Gibbons was like oh, the game. Oh, man. Yes. Like, I don't know. You know, I can never quantify this stuff. But that felt, to me, just given the timing of when he did it, uh, I believe it was either late in the third quarter. Yeah, it was late in the third quarter, right before the start of the fourth quarter. Um, and that is what I believe triggered. No, they just, okay. They just got a fumble off that. The, the drive didn't, or a field goal off that. The drive didn't last very long. But um, it was just one of those plays where. You take the you ball know, out of their hands. Right. And on their side of the field, right after, you know. The 49ers in a quarter, it was, it was responding too. Because if you look at the way this game unfolded, the 49ers scored right before halftime. And then they came out and had a really, really good drive with a big play from Debo Samuel um, to score a touchdown after that. Then they had the uh, Alshire interception, and they scored a touchdown off of that. Um, but then the Vikings responded with two touchdowns of their own. So it was kind of at a point where the Vikings had built up quite a bit of momentum and then, boom, Kevin Givens just bursts through the line, uh, meets Dalvin Cook in the backfield, obviously unintentionally hurting him in the process. Um, Dalvin Cook messed up his shoulder pretty bad. And causing a fumble, and then uh, none other than Aziz Alshire recovered it, and then the 49ers got a field goal out of it to turn it back into a two-score game, I believe. Um, 
just yeah. doesn't excuse. So it, to me, that that play right there was just like, damn. Like, well, think, yeah, think about everything that happened. So 49ers kick a field goal, 46-yarder. The ensuing kickoff, they run it back 99 yards. 49ers <laughs> come out second and 17 because – oh, yeah, OPI. Debo uh, Samuel had offensive pass interference because he was blocking um, before the ball was caught, uh, the screen to Ayuk was caught. And then they have to punt. The Vikings get the ball back, and if we're keeping it like honest, the defense like they played well in periods. They were right. good on third downs, but there were coverage busts, there were missed tackles, and the Vikings were moving the ball. So they would have probably moved the ball there. We hadn't seen enough evidence um, other than the Vikings stopping themselves. But yeah, that was just a game changer right there. Yeah, it was a pretty impressive play. It was like a less. It was like a less. Violent Jadeveon Clowney hit in college, you know the one where he, he just came straight through and absolutely oh, destroyed yeah. uh, the. Everybody knows that play, but um, it was just it was very much like that. Didn't happen quite as as quick and as violently, but it it was basically the same play, and and that just kind of changed the landscape of the game. Uh, the drive after that, uh, Minnesota uh, couldn't convert on fourth down. Then the 49ers had that seven minute drive. Uh, missed the field goal, and again, Minnesota couldn't con- – so that, like, if you just look at the possessions and the flow of the game, that fumble really killed a ton of momentum for for Minnesota and and kind of just gently swung things back, and in, in that plus uh, that big old drive kind of just gently swung things back in, in favor of the 49ers. And uh, it was just a weird defensive game. Nick Bosa, like we mentioned earlier, got another sack. I believe he's up to 11 now. 11 and 11. On the season, which basically means he's on pace for 17. <laughs> I mean, you he's are so averaging. Good at math. I know, bro. I can do it. <laughs> Our teacher can do math. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's Nick Bosa, dude. Like, I, is Now, I've been mentioning this to myself because um, uh, you're not allowed to do things outside of your employer. Um, it, to myself lately, is there anybody else who can is in competition for comeback player of the year alongside Nick Bosa that you can think Ooh. of? Hmm. Who missed last year? That's what I mean. Was there any big quarterbacks? I'm sure that there are some some other people competing with him for that, but it's they don't immediately pop out of my head. Um, Dak. Yep. Does Dak? Yeah, that counts. But I'm not really sure Dak's quite Dak's really having the season. Bosa is. Do you think he is? No, I'm just trying to think of like winning yeah. teams. No, no, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure there's others, but I I think it's safe to okay. say that Nick Bosa. I got the odds right here. So Dak's current, uh, as of last week, Dak was a favorite. Okay. Joe Burrow was second. Okay. James okay. Conner. Oh, so um, there's a lot. Carson Wentz. Huh. Yeah. Nick Bosa's yep. after that, though. Okay. So it goes Dak, Burrow, Connor, Cam Newton, which will he will not be on there. I promise <laughs> you after this week. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz, Derwin James, and then Nick Bosa. Okay, so there's plenty of competition, but I would say Nick Bosa is definitely a, a strong favorite. And if he if he continues the pace at which he's playing, it, it'll uh, be fine. Right, right. And Derwin James, man, I love talking about Derwin James. He's so good. 
Unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. And I love the fact that it's another example, and we're really getting too far off topic here, but Derwin James is another example of scouts tricking themselves or convincing themselves that a good player is not good. And it's not like people didn't think he was good because Derwin James just went later in the first round than he was supposed to. But going into that final year of college, everybody thought Derwin James was like the number one overall pick or, or like a top three pick. And he kind of had a down season. And then I think towards the end of the season he got hurt. I can't remember. But he ended up falling. And, and of course, he's that good. Like, I don't know. It was just funny to me. Like, stop overthinking it. Did you see the interception that he had? No, I watched one of his plays where he came all the way from the right side of the defense to to like almost have a tackle for loss on the left side of the defense. But what I didn't see the interception. Was it awesome? So I was I wanted to just see what T. Higgins did because I like watching wide receivers, and he Derwin just like dove toward an out route and caught a ball that looked like it was being thrown away for an interception. <laughs> And this was, uh, and this was, they were playing the Broncos, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Drew Locke. So I mean, take it for what it's worth. But um, interceptions are interceptions; they still count. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm watching it right now. Yeah, he was like throwing it at the ground and like yeah. the of the receiver, and he's like, "No, no, no, I'll take yeah. that. I'll those take are mine. That. Those are mine too. We um, pick those. But no, just talking about the defense, talking about Bosa. That's how they're going to get off the field. That's just how they're built. I feel like so whether it's a sack. And it's not always going to be an interception or a sack. But Givens is a good example where somebody just wins their one-on-one battle, gets the offense behind the chains, and now, you know, third and eight, third and nine, third and double digits, that's how you win and get off the field. And I think that's who they're going to be. Yeah, it really does come down to that. Because when you've got Josh Norman running around back there, (laughs) finding ways to implode, it really is going to come down to – Do they ever throw to Emmanuel Mosley? I don't know, man. We could just call him a lockdown corner <laughs> because they're throwing to Josh Norman. Just pretend, yeah. Just pretend that the other guy isn't the reason why. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because Emmanuel Mosley's got him locked down. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But yeah, it was just it, it was it was not necessarily from an overall standpoint, it wasn't an, that impressive of a game for the defense. But it was like they made plays when they absolutely had to make plays, you know. And and they kind of in their own way defined the game, which is cool because yeah, you know, it just shows that they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They've got a little bit of a you know a, a fire in them that in situations where maybe other defenses would roll over and just get 
give up another drive, they find a way to make it work, which is a cool quality. It doesn't necessarily, it may, it may not be sustainable. You know, like you said, when you go up against truly elite talent in the playoffs, um, usually stuff like that just doesn't work anymore. Um, but Minnesota Vikings have a pretty good offense and they, they did enough. They yeah. I, I think they're a good team. I still think that they're, they're going to make the playoffs too. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the rest of the season has to unfold. I mean, you could just take the easy route and say the 49ers need to win out. But and now that the the Rams have lost, uh, the Rams lost to the Packers. COVID right? toe. The what? The COVID toe. Right, right. Look at my toe in the camera. Oh God, um, he's so weird, man. <laughs> he is weird, man. Um, and and the 49ers are within. So let's just wrap this up with since I can couldn't get it to load on my page. Why don't you walk us through the. Uh, the division, the the NFC, yeah, and, yeah. How, and how that shit's playing now. So, Cardinals number one seed, nine and two. They had a bye week. Uh, Packers number two. They are nine and three. They just beat the Rams. Bucks number three were down to the Colts. Thought that the Colts might do it. Um, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things, so that didn't happen. They are first in the NFC South at eight and three. Cowboys lost to the Raiders, but to be fair, they were. Pretty injured. Uh, seven to four, first team in the NFC East. Rams are spiraling out of control. Uh, good homie of mine texted me a couple weeks ago that said, People forget Sean McVay turns into a pumpkin every year around Thanksgiving. <laughs> like his offenses just start to suck out of nowhere. And this always happens. And we always wonder why. But I think it's just him not evolving. And maybe it's not a quarterback issue. And obviously, golf is golf. Like he's not good. But um, it has to be more than the offense, and I think it comes down to them. But they're seven and four. 49ers are right behind them at six and five. Obviously, these two teams play each other one more time. That game at the end of the year could be for a pretty critical playoff seating. Um, could be the you know, determining whether you play Dak or Tom Brady. Um, actually, with Washington winning tonight, they are five and six, and they are now um they have the tiebreaker over. The Vikings, who are now the eighth seed, so I and mean, so I'm do sure. the 49ers now, which could yes, yes, could yes, be important. Also important. Um, yeah, I would imagine teams would much rather see Washington in the playoffs than an offense like the Vikings. And I'm not saying the Vikings are you know a juggernaut, but you, you just don't want to face a team with that type of those type of weapons. Um, after that, so the Falcons are somehow five and six. So <laughs> I know I saw that. I was like, what are you guys doing here? Uh, they just beat the Jags. The Saints are five and six too, but they are going in the wrong direction. The Eagles and are eleven. Going that way too. Yeah, yeah. They they just announced that Taysom Hill is going to start to, to give you an idea of how their season's going. Um, <laughs> Jalen Hurts threw two, three interceptions. Um, he also had a touchdown go through a receiver's hand twice on Sunday. And then the last seed, I guess, Cam Newton, twelve, the twelve, twelve seed Carolina Panthers. Uh, they're not real, but. I think we can just stop at the Vikings at the AC. I don't think anybody else really matters. Um, I, Washington's probably going to tail off. So we talked about it a little bit. And, yeah, do you think once we get there, uh, Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, and hell, let me let me ask you this. Do the Rams hold on to the fifth seed? Because their remaining schedule isn't as easy as you would think it would be. So I mentioned they have four losses right now. 
They still have to play, so they play the Jags this Sunday. But after that, they go to Arizona. Then they play the Seahawks. Not sure which Seahawks team you're going to get. Then they play the Vikings, Ravens, and 49ers. One, two, three. That's a brutal stretch right there. Yeah, like four of those games are going to be very tough, and that's not counting uh, what what we're going to get out of the Seahawks. So um, they are going to be in some trouble. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I've, I've said this a few times it, the four, I mean, there, there is a reality where maybe the 49ers have created a little bit of distance between themselves and the Rams. If things go bad for the Rams and great for the 49ers, then maybe um, it doesn't, but I, I could really see that last game against the Rams at, um, at what is it called? SoFi? Is that what their cool yeah. stadium's called? Um, at SoFi Stadium, I could really see that being like for the fifth seed, or or you know, like I said, if if things go well for the 49ers, maybe they've already put some space in between them, and it doesn't matter, Oof. right? Because I mean, if the Rams beat the 49ers and they're both, you know, obviously they're they're tied as far as their record against each other, then what's the tiebreaker after that division record? Right. You know, so and like it, the Rams it could have come a down to that division record too. Yeah, the 49ers could could easily find themselves up to up to the fifth seed. And they they can't really get any higher than that because everybody above that is division winners, and they're not touching the Cardinals. So yeah, the Cardinals have to know. like lose out, right? And, and even then, you know, that would probably put them tied with the 49ers, and the 49ers don't hold anything against them. So, um, and that we don't assume they're going to lose out either. So it. it you know, the 49ers are in as good of a position as they possibly can be right now, given how the season started out. And it's really just up to them to maintain that. You have a road game against the Seahawks, a very winnable game next Sunday. Then you have a road game against the Bengals, who are no slouch uh, the week after that, but also very winnable. Um, and then you got the Falcons and the Titans are kind of falling apart right now. Uh, when I, you, you'd have looked at that like three or four weeks ago, you would have said the Titans were far and away their hardest matchup left on the schedule. But now they're kind of, you know, a lot of their best players are out. They may not have, I mean, AJ Brown's even on injured reserve right now. I think he'll be back. Yeah. Right and that's now. a short week too. So th- yeah. that's going to be the first game he's eligible, but it's a short week. So it's going, I don't think it's going to be easy for him to play that week. They might really dodge a bullet without, uh, by getting the Titans without a Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. That would be big time. Yeah, right, right. Because the Titans are like a supercharged version of the 49ers in the way they play. You know, just a brutal running attack. But So, yeah, I mean, the, 40, the big thing that I like to keep in mind or the big thing that you can say from here on out is it's it's on the 49ers now. And I think they've proven enough that – They've proven enough after beating the Rams handedly, which the Rams are a good team, after beating the Jaguars handedly, which the Jaguars are a bad team, and then kind of going toe-to-toe in what we felt was like a playoff implication-type matchup with the Vikings and and winning that. I think the 49ers have established themselves that they're back to being a good football team. How good? I don't know. But it really is on them from here on out. Like, there's not a whole lot of stuff – like. You know, it's always frustrating when a good team has to rely on another, you know, another team to beat another team to control where they get seated. It's really all on the 49ers from here on out. It, you know, if if they win most of their games, maybe drop one or two, then they'll either have the five or the six seed and they'll be in the in the dance. But um, if 
that stuff doesn't happen, then it was really this team just imploding and reverting back to what we saw earlier in the season. And, you know, like I said, the good thing is that to simplify it even more, it's on them. It's in their hands where they go from here. And it's it's cool that they've been able to turn it around to this point. They just – It's not where you start. It's where you finish. <laughs> Thank you for adding that in there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they can go four and two. What are, your, what are your thoughts on the team before we roll out of here? They can go four and two and make the playoffs. I, I think that – yeah, and we can get past the playoff talk, just talk about the team in general. I think they're good. I think they have – established a style of play where they can get by the Seahawks without Debo and Fred Warner. Um, I think Aziz Ashari is playing really well. I think their defensive line is playing really well. Despite, you know, not having high sack numbers, I think they, they win up front and they act, I think surprisingly they do a good job of masking the secondary. I know that there were coverage busts and there were big plays. So you're thinking like, what are you talking about? You freaking idiot. But I promise you the defensive <laughs> line is playing well. Um, they are, yeah, they're a good team. I, I don't think that, I think if you were to come up with the list of NFC teams that you would not want to play, the 49ers would be right there with the other, the other teams you had mentioned. They're probably not in the same tier as the Cardinals or the Packers or probably even the Bucks, but the next tier, like the 49ers would be right there with like the Cowboys and I, like your of course, you're going to take them over the Rams off of what we've seen in recent weeks, but they're right there and they belong right there. And they've, they've proven that. I think that's uh, a te- just a testament to how they play. Right. And, and when you're in that position, if you if you get some luck, you can you can make shit happen. You know, like a team in the 49ers position, even though you're not really considered um, among the best teams in the league. You, you're, you still have a chance on any given day against any given team. So. Uh, and that's where the 49ers, with, just by the way the season's unfolding, that's all they can ask for right now is is to uh, to put themselves in a position and build themselves up to a point where they have a chance against anybody. Um, so that's a good thing. And, you know, considering how just a couple weeks ago things were imploding, the world was, was collapsing, and uh, Kyle Shanahan was on the hot seat. Uh, despite just <laughs> crazy a quarterback and you know whatever. yes that's how um, this works yes so yeah I, I mean i think that i think that sums it up well 49ers are winning football games and they're currently well into the playoff race so be happy 49ers fans be positive um i there is some 49ers injury news out there that we didn't really touch on but I'm not a, I'm not even going to put a damper on this podcast that we've uh, we've kept relatively positive. If you want to know about that, um, get on Twitter and go look it up, or get on the internet because I'm not even, <laughs> I'm not even going to throw that. It's technically me withholding news from you guys, but if you really want to know about the injury stuff, um, not horrible, not it's great. Uh, it's out there. Go look at it. I'm not going to include it in this podcast to uh, keep our positivity rating uh, even higher. So, um, KP, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Always, man. Appreciate you. I know, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep throwing you in here as often as I can. Just often enough to be annoying for the powers that be. Um just often appreciate enough for them, to know, for them to notice. But uh all right, guys. Hey, I appreciate everybody for uh for listening to uh Striking Gold for making the podcast what it is. Um couldn't be able to do it. We wouldn't be able to do it if there weren't numbers backing this stuff up. So I appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you're listening, downloading, subscribing, commenting, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff because it, it does matter. Uh, make sure you send something snarky to KP on Twitter um, and thank him for joining the show tonight. 
it's KP underscore show. That's still what it is, right? It is. Okay, cool. Don't change it. It's good. It's a good handle. Um, nice. And uh, that's it. Appreciate you guys. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Striking Golden for another episode. We're signing out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.